It was a Monday morning in August 1991 when two cruise ships, the Meridian and the Nordic Prince, were trapped in the Atlantic Ocean by Hurricane Bob. The, storms, uh, the storm had shifted overnight as it was making its way up the eastern seaboard, and the two ships had left New York Harbor the night before. So the passengers that morning woke up very early to violent seas. 30 to 40 foot waves were cresting over the 10th deck of those cruise ships. Uh, the boats were only 150 nautical miles from the eye of the storm. Now, thankfully, it was a rough 24 hours, but after 24 hours, those ships were able to navigate away from that storm and into calmer waters. The Meridian reported that despite the dangerous situation, they had like no major damage to the boat. And there were some broken glassware and several mirrors on the ship were damaged. One crew member was burned with some boiling water that had tipped over in the galley. But aside from that, they were fine. That and the thousands of incredibly sick passengers. Because it was a rough sea and a rough ride. And I know because I was on that ship. My dad had won a contest at work. And so his reward was this free vacation. It was the trip of a dream, of, of a lifetime. We got to go to Bermuda on this amazing cruise ship, and it turned into a, just a disaster. It was a nightmare. Uh, when we got to Bermuda, we, we had a chance to take a photo uh, coming off the ship. Here's a picture of me and my younger brother um, walking off of, of that ship and posing for uh, the photo, and that's just proof to you that at one point I did have hair uh, and uh, you can, by the way, look, the, the drawing on there, the Sharpie marker of the ship running away from the hurricane, uh, seeing the ship vertical, I'm just telling you, too soon, okay? Too soon for a bunch of queasy passengers. Um, but uh, here's bragging rights uh, for my family. I was the only person in my family not to get seasick uh, during, uh, during that experience. But I'll tell you what, I was terrified. I was terrified because whenever you're in a storm, you have one thought. You want to get out. And many of you know that feeling right now because you're in the midst of a storm in your life. Maybe it's a relational storm. Something's going on in your family. Maybe it's with your roommate. Maybe your marriage is really stormy. And right now, you just have the sense that you just, you just want out. Or maybe it's a storm that's going on in your workplace or a place where you're volunteering. And it just, it just feels like right now, because of what's going on in that storm, you're just a little bit exposed and you're at risk. Or I think all of us can probably feel like just our world is full of storms right now. I mean, there, there's, there's storms in our political season. There are these viruses that seem like they're just unending. Our, our economy is really stormy right now. There, there's wars going on. There's actual storms and fires that are happening all over the world. It, it just feels like that there's all these storms and what we long for is just for it to be done. And so can we just get to a place of calm in our life? Here's the thing about a storm. There's something that finds us in the midst of a storm that doesn't seem to be able to find us in any other way. At least that was Jonah's experience. Something found him when he was in a storm in his life that wasn't able to find him any other way. And so with that, we're beginning our series on the book of Jonah. Over the next four weeks, we're going to spend a time in each of the four chapters of Jonah. And we're going to find Jonah in four different places. 
We're going to find him in the ship and then under the sea. We're going to find him in the city and then under the tree. And in every one of those places, this thing finds Jonah that transforms his life. And I believe that that same thing will find us. And I believe that by going through this series, our lives may be transformed by what finds us. So let's begin our journey in the book of Jonah. You're noticing that I don't have the TV with me for this series, and that's on purpose. And the reason for that uh, is because I want you to have the text of Jonah and that story of Jonah open in front of you. So if you brought a Bible with you today, uh, I want to encourage you to take it and open it up. Uh, Jonah is found in the Old Testament. If you're at one of our campus locations and you didn't bring a Bible with you to church, uh, we have some blue Bibles that that may be nearby. If so, it's page 1405 is where the book of Jonah starts uh, there. Or if you have a mobile device, just open it up to maybe a Bible app or online and you can navigate over to the book of Jonah. If you don't own a Bible and you do have an electronic device, you can just go to your app store and type in Bible and uh, download the free Bible app. But uh, as we go throughout this series, have Uh, Have the text of Jonah open as uh, we'll be going through it together. Let's begin. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. So the story of Jonah opens with the word of God coming directly to Jonah, and that's because that's what Jonah was. He was a prophet. He was somebody that God spoke to, and then Jonah was responsible for sharing the word of God with the rest of the people of God. Uh, he, as a prophet, was his, his role and his duty, and uh, people would have known Jonah in the land of Israel. In fact, we know a little bit about Jonah's life from some of the historical books. Uh, we know that Jonah was a prophet during the reign of King Jeroboam in Israel. Uh, king Jeroboam was a terrible king. He did not follow God's word. But God chose to give King Jeroboam military success anyway. And the reason God chose to do that was because he was concerned about his people Israel. They were suffering greatly because of some imposing nations. And so even though Jeroboam didn't follow him, God blessed him and brought success through him. And the reason we know that that's why God did that was because of Jonah. Jonah predicted that military success and explained that this was God's hand to protect and provide for his people. So Jonah would have been known in Israel. He probably would have been liked in Israel because he spoke favorably about God's blessing for his people. And Jonah was kind of known as this guy that had some great rhetoric about military success over their enemies. And so Jonah was just known as this guy that God spoke to and and Jonah said what God told him to say and, and Jonah did what God told him to do which makes what happens next in the story really surprising. And it lets us know that Jonah is kind of a complicated character. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship, and boarded for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And this is no detour. It's not like Jonah like, made a mistake or turned the wrong way. Uh, he, he lived, he was from a, a village that was just about five miles outside of Nazareth in Israel. And Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. And so that is east. It's like in modern day Iraq. And Jonah goes west in the opposite direction. 
He heads down to the Mediterranean coast and there gets on a ship in the city of Joppa and he heads to Tarshish, which is in modern-day Spain. It was as far west as they knew the world existed at that point in time. Literally, Jonah is running to the ends of the earth to get away from God's instruction. That's just, it's incredible to see somebody like Jonah who received the very word of God do the exact opposite. And that kind of means that we have something in common with Jonah. Because the reality is, just like Jonah, all of us, we all run from God. We all run from God in, in, in some form or some way. You know, Jonah was somebody that had committed his entire life to following God and doing his word, and yet even he runs. And, and isn't that true for some of us? You know, there are many of us who, who are committed, we are faithful, we, 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 are so, we, we are so concerned about our faith and, and our religious devotion to God, but there's like one area in our life where we just run from God. And even as I say that, you just know what that area is. Because it's been a struggle for you. And you follow God in all these areas, but not that one. And you know it. And you're worried that someday other people might find out about it because you just run from God in that one area. But for others of us, we, we've been like running from God blatantly for years. And, and we started running because maybe we thought that God didn't know or God didn't care or we don't really care if, if God's there or what he has to say. And so we've just been running and our whole life has is, is, is been running, running, running. And if that's true for you, I just, I just want you to know this message today, it's for you. Or maybe for some of us, we're not running yet, but maybe we're just kind of leaning. You, you know what I mean? Like, like we follow God's word and we would agree with God on so many things. And when it, when it comes to obeying it, it's, it's like, yeah, we, we, we believe, but then we just kind of lean a little bit, right? So we're not lying. I'm just not telling the whole truth, right? Or, or, or I'm, not, I, I'm, not, I'm not being unfaithful to my spouse. I'm just flirting a little bit, right? Or, you know, I, I'm not watching something I shouldn't watch. I'm just kind of scrolling through it a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I know I should be serving right now, but you've got to understand, you know, it's just, it's a really busy time for our family, and so I'm just kind of leaning out a little bit, right? Or I know I should be in, in church, I know I should be attending, but you know, it's the summer, and you know, we're up north of the cabin, so I'm just kind of leaning a little bit. And for those of you watching online, that was not aimed at you right now, so I'm just, I'm grateful that you're still watching us. But listen, don't we, don't we just kind of lean a little bit? Here's the danger with leaning. If you lean far enough, do you know what you have to do? At some point, you have to take a step. And then once you take a step, it's really easy to just kind of take another. And, and then the next thing you know, once you take a couple more steps and a couple more steps, before too long, we're heading for Joppa, we're paying for a fare, we're boarding a ship, and we're heading for Tarshish. That's the problem with not being committed to God's word. And if that is you today, if you're leaning a little bit, this message is for you. Message is for all of us, because listen, all of us run from God. Challenge is, we're not going to get very far. And that was Jonah's experience. Verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. So there's this, there's this ship, the, the storm that's coming on the ship, and the sailors are freaked out. Now, these are veteran sailors, so this must have been a pretty massive storm. And they're crying out to their gods. And the reason they're doing that is the sailors are trying to figure out who's responsible for this. 
at this point in, in time, uh, these were generally pagans on, on the ship. And the pagan understanding of, of how things worked is that there were local gods that were responsible for local areas. So if you lived in, in the land of the Philistines, Dagon was your god. And when you went outside of that land, you were kind of out of his jurisdiction, so to speak. And so they're confused because they're out here on the sea and they're not sure who's responsible for the sea. So these guys are so freaked out, they're just trying anything and everything. Throw the cargo over, call out to any god we know. Let's just try to figure out what's going on because this is such a chaotic storm. But look what happens to Jonah. In the midst of all this chaos, here's where Jonah is. Let's keep reading. But Jonah had gone down below deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. The guy's sleeping in the midst of all of this chaos, which, which tells you something about running from God. You, when you start running from God, at first it seems like everything's okay. You know, Jonah made it to Joppa just fine. He paid the fare fine. He got on the boat fine. He was so confident in his plan and what he was doing that he fell into a deep sleep and, and it couldn't even be woken up by the storm. But eventually it catches up with us. So the, verse 6, the captain went down and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. And what's amazing to me is Jonah, the one who was so confident in receiving and so comfortable hearing from God, doesn't do it. All of these pagans are trying anything, calling on every God they know, and Jonah doesn't call on his God. And you know why? Because when we run from God, it's all about us. Our running can cause like these storms that come up in our life and other times other people are impacted by it and, and we just don't even seem to care. Because it's all about our wants, it's our needs, it's our plan. Jonah was like, listen, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to save my career. I'm heading to Tarshish. I'm doing my thing. And he's, he's running from God. Do you, do you know why he was running? He was running because he didn't trust God. And so the last thing he wants to do in a storm is call out to God because he's convinced that God's plan is going to be harmful for his life. That's why Jonah was running. So he doesn't want to call after God because God was sending him to go to Nineveh. That was the capital city of Assyria. They were the enemies of God. And Jonah's thinking, if I go to Nineveh, here's what's going to happen. Uh, my, my life is over. If I, go to, if I go to Assyria and I tell them that they're violent people and they should start following God, they're probably going to kill me. Or if I go to the capital city of our enemy and I convince them to stop their evil ways and they start following God and God blesses them, then my own people are going to stone me because I just helped the enemy. And so Jonah looks at that situation and he's like, if I do what God says, my life and my career is over either way. God must not know best. I'm out of here. And even in the midst of the storm, when his life is at risk, he doesn't want to have anything to do with God because he's so self-centered. And that's us when we're running. We don't trust God and we start trusting in ourselves. And it just brings chaos all around us. But eventually, we get exposed. Here's what happens in verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. Casting lots was like a rolling dice. Uh, and, and they believed that the gods would, would have them fall on who is responsible. And in this case, uh, God allowed that to happen. They cast lots, and the lots fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? 
What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? I mean, these guys are freaked out. They want to know, Jonah, what's going on? Verse 9, he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. Of course it terrified them, right? They're on the sea. They're trying to figure out who's responsible. And he, and he finally fesses up and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the God who's the God over all the lands and over all the seas. And his own words condemn him. Because it's like, Jonah, if your God is the God over everything, over all the land and all the sea, where are you going? How are you going to get away from God? And Jonah, as a man of God, he would have known the scriptures. And there's this, there's this famous Hebrew scripture. It's called Psalm 139. It was written by King David. And Jonah, as, as, a, as a Jewish man, he would have known this. He would have memorized this. If, if Jonah had kids, he would have taught this to his children. Here's, here's just a little bit of what Psalm 139 says. It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light will become night around me, even darkness will not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, the darkness as, as light to you. Jonah, you know that you can't escape God, why are you running? And you know, when we try to run from God, it's just as foolish as when Jonah does. But God won't relent when we're trying to run from him. He keeps coming after us. So he lets the sailors know, and this terrifies them, and then here's this brazen statement at the end of verse 10 that just shows you how out of touch Jonah was. It said, uh, they asked, what have you done? And then here's this little aside. They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. I mean, he's just like so open and transparent with everybody that he's running from God. And the sailors are like, but where are you going to go to get away from your God? The sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? And verse 12, he says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And here's the point. Our running from God will cause storms. When we run from God, it brings storms. It brings storms into our lives and it brings storms into the lives of other people. Because when we step away from God's best, we step away from God's instruction, we step away from God's word, here's what we're doing. We're stepping away from God. And God, here's what we know about God, here's his nature. God is love. God loves us. He cares for us. He wants what's best for us. God is life. He's the author of life. He's the one that sustains life. And God is truth. And so when we run from God, we run from those things. So we, we run from love, we run from life, we run from truth. And by definition, when we run from those things, here's what we run to, here's what we embrace. We, 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 embrace, we embrace selfishness, self-centeredness. We, we embrace deceit. 
We're not believing truth anymore, but lies. And, and, and we embrace death, not life. And those things, let's just listen. This is just life is how it works. Those things bring storms. And the lie that we want to believe is that when we run from God, it's just, it just affects us or it's our own thing and it's not, nobody else needs to know, nobody else is going to be affected. And, and Jonah, the story of Jonah just proves to us that's not true. Because sometimes when, when, we, when we sin, we run from God, it brings storms in the life of other people around us. So here's, here's this important point. If you're in a storm right now, not all storms are a result of your running. Not all storms are your fault. Not all storms are because of your sin. That sometimes you're just, you're in a storm because there's somebody around you that's running from God. There may be a storm in your workplace. It's not your fault. It might be because your, your boss is running from God. The person in authority over you is running from God. Your family might be in a storm right now, and it might not be your fault. It might be because your parents are running from God or your kids are running from God. So just because there's a storm in your life doesn't mean it's your fault. I, I don't, don't think that's simplistic about life. We, we can't look at life and say, when good things happen to me, God's blessing me and he's happy because I did good. And when bad things happen, God's mad at me. And it's, it's, Life is not that simple. We live in just a sinful, fallen world. That's just a consequence of, of, of all of these generations of choices of humanity that we live in a world that's sinful and fallen, and sometimes bad things just happen. Not all storms are our fault, but listen very carefully. When we choose to run from God, when we choose to sin, we choose to step outside of God's plan and outside of his word, listen, it will always bring a storm. It can't not bring a storm. But the purpose of the storm isn't to pay us back. It's not as a form of punishment. There's a point to the storm, and here's the point of the storm. So Jonah says, it's my fault. And the men are like, we're not going to throw you in yet. So verse 13, they're like, instead the men did their best to row back to land but they could not. For the sea grew even wilder than before. God's not going to relent. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, has, have done as you pleased. Okay, at this point, the pagans have better theology than Jonah the prophet right now. All right, they're getting it. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and listen, the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Here's the thing. The storm that came into Jonah's life, it wasn't to pay him back. It was to bring him back. God wasn't trying to pay Jonah back for not obeying him. What God wanted is he wanted Jonah and he wanted to bring Jonah back to him, and he was going to stop at nothing and keep letting the storm rage until he had him back. And that is true for us in our running. God may have allowed a storm to come in your life, not because he's trying to pay you back. Right? It's, it's not like God's insecure and, and he feels like he's got you know, to get you back. I mean, you, We can't even pay God back for what we've taken from him. Right? God's not upset because we didn't listen to him because he, he, 
He feels like, you know, he, he needs us to obey him for his own self-worth or something. That's, just not, that's not who God's character is. God loves us. He wants what is best for us, and he knows what's best for us is him. And so he'll allow these consequences to come so he can finally get our attention so he can bring us back to him. And do you know why God does that? It's because he loves us. He won't let us go. Because God loves those who run. He doesn't love them because they run. But in spite of their running, he loves them because here's the thing, all of us run from God. And God loves those who run. And God goes after those who run, not to pay them back, but to bring them back to himself. You know how I know that? Because the story of Jonah actually points us forward. It it points us forward to Jesus, who is the proof that God loves us and that God wants us back. Because this story, this encounter in Jonah chapter 1, is so strikingly similar to an encounter that Jesus had. And whenever you see two encounters in Scripture like that, it's God's way of saying, hey, 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 this story is actually about that story. And this story is actually about the story of Jesus. Let me just read for you this story, this encounter that Jesus had. Uh, Mark records it for us in Mark chapter 4. Let me just, I'll just read it to you. And I want you to listen to how similar this is to the story of Jonah. Mark Mark 4, I'm going to pick up in verse 35. It said, that day when evening came, he, he's talking about Jesus, uh, said to his disciples, let us go to the other side, meaning of the lake that that they they were around. Leaving the crowd behind, They took him, Jesus, uh, along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Okay, sound, sound familiar? All right, here's what happens. The disciples woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You're seeing the similarities here. He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Both men on a boat, both men in the middle of a storm, both men sleeping, both men woken up by fellow passengers who are freaked out about the storm, both men calm the storm in similar ways, and it leaves the rest of the people on the boat praising and worshiping God. Do you know how both men calm the storms? Both men did it through self-sacrifice. When Jonah recognized that this storm was of his own making, Jonah said, throw me into the water. When there's storms raging like that, there is no hope for survival on open sea. Jonah chose to die. He thought he was going to die. He chose to sacrifice himself so that these other pagan sailors wouldn't lose their life because he knew there there was no hope. This was divine judgment. Let me just get in. I choose to die. I'm giving it up and and submitting to God. Jesus did something very similar, but more on a cosmic scale. Jesus didn't throw himself into the water. He was just able to speak to it and calm it. But Jesus threw himself into another storm, and it was the storm of sin and death. And he threw himself into it by going on the cross. 
Because when Jesus went to the cross, he chose to sacrifice himself for us. Because he absorbed the worst that the world could throw at him. He, he took injustice. He took sin on. He, 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 he subjected himself to death. And he did that to, to cover over our sins, to, to pay an atoning sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to suffer that consequence for our sin. But listen, when he took all that on himself, death and sin and injustice, it couldn't hold him because he was, he was greater than it. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. And he, has, he conquered all of those things. So three days later, he rose from that grave. And he came out, and when he came out, he had conquered sin and death. And listen, the promise then that Jesus gives to you and to me is that if we stop our running and we turn to him and, and accept him and choose the forgiveness that God so freely offers to us in Jesus, we too can have new life. Our running is over and our lives can be restored. And then we have a hope of a future. That we're going to live forever with God. Jonah points us to Jesus. And Jesus is the proof that God loves to us. And listen, that God's grace will find us in the midst of our storm. Because that's what happened. God's grace found Jonah in the midst of his storm. So what's this mean for us? Well, for those of you that, that know someone who's in a storm right now, maybe it's somebody you love, maybe it's somebody you care deeply about. Uh, here's my encouragement. If God brought a storm into their life, it's not going to do any good for that person or for you to try to row them back to safety. I mean, we see that in the pagan sailors. You're just going to wear yourself out by trying to get somebody you love out of a storm of their own making. Listen, if God's after them, he's going to go keep getting after them. Don't wear yourself out. You know what you can do? If somebody you love is in a storm, just pray for them. I mean, honestly, intercede for them in prayer. Go to, go, go to God in, in prayer that he will keep chasing after them and that they will find Jesus. Because here's the truth, and we see this from Mark 4, Jesus is the only one that can calm the storm. They need Jesus. That's it. Don't try to be Jesus for them. Point them to Jesus. Now, for those of us that are in a storm, if we're in a storm and it's not of our own making, it, maybe it's somebody else or we're just kind of caught in a storm that, that just happens, the storms of life, it is so healthy and it's so good for us in those moments to pray for God's justice. I love that God exposed Jonah on that boat. And, and that's what we need to pray, that, that God in his justice would bring to light who's responsible for some of these storms and that they would own it and they would be able to get right with God. Now, when we pray for God's justice, we, we don't then go, go administer God's ju ju justice. It's not our job to run around the boat and point it out to everybody that it's their fault, but just pray for God's justice and that God would bring to light who's responsible for that storm. But listen, if you're in a storm right now and it's of your own making, and come on, when, when, it, when it's been our sin, when we've been running from God, we know it. We, we know it. And if you're in a storm and you've been running from God, you know what you need to do? Get out of the boat. Stop running. And listen, when Jonah stopped running and he got out of the boat, do you know what he did? He chose to die. And that's the same thing that we need to do. If you've been running from God, you need to choose to die. Die to yourself. Die to your plans. Die to your knowledge, your wisdom, your understanding, your thought about how to control your life. Give that up and trust in God.
because he's the one that loves us and he's the one that knows best. And listen, he wants us to stop running because he wants us back because he loves and he cares for us. Stop running from God. Own it. Be like Jonah. Confess. It's my fault, God. It's I did this. I was running from you. I'm sorry. And then get out of the boat. Turn from those ways and go back to God. Because listen, God wants you back. And he's going to keep coming after you until he has you. Because he loves you and he does not want to let you go. Stop running. And come home to God. And when we do, we stop running, we, 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 we find that God's grace has found us. And the only thing that we can do when God's grace finds us is we worship him. I just, I love how that chapter one ends, that the pagan sailors turn the boat into holy ground. They're having a worship service on the boat because they now have understood who God is and they have experienced God's grace. And it causes us to worship. I want to end our time by just reciting for you verse one of a hymn that I just love. It's called Amazing Grace. And as I recite this verse, I I want you to think about the story of Jonah. And I want to think about your story. Because just like God's grace found Jonah, God's grace is finding you. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch, or we could say a runner, like me. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Once blind, but now I see. And my hope and my prayer is that you will see God's grace in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful for this story. Lord, thank you for preserving it. Father, thanks for revealing Jonah as as a complex character who's actually so similar to to us. And Father, in the same way that you found Jonah in the ship, Father, would you now find us wherever we are in our storm and in our running. And as you find us, may we welcome you and return home. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.